0: Hey, welcome to Terminal Talk and part two of our interview with Jeff Fry.
1: In the first half, you heard a little bit about how Jeff got started and uh, some of the beginnings of Parallel SysPlex uh, on the mainframe platform.
0: Yeah, this time you're going to hear more about why SysPlex is cool, a little bit about some of the uh, technology around it, and really uh, the wider discussion of what the mainframe really is.
1: Plus, I stop in with a no-dumb-question. We're doing segments on the show. Didn't you hear?
0: Oh, I, I, no, I didn't.
1: Yeah. So here comes Jeff Fry, part two. Uh,
0: you, you talked a little bit about Sysplex. About um, I wonder if you can go just maybe a, an inch or two deeper in that, because I'm, I'm not sure that everybody who listens uh, to this podcast would really know uh, right off what that is and yeah. why that's different.
2: Yeah, well, well, um sysplex stands for system complex. Um, huh. and it was it was uh basically the notion of of coupling multiple mainframe systems together in a cooperative way. Um by the way, very with the very specific goal of giving the applications and the users of the system a view that it was exactly one system, that it was a single system image, right? And the fact that it was constructed of multiple computers, right, around a shared data uh, architecture was an was artifact of the implementation and not uh, an artifact of, of the architecture of the system. And so with that kind of in mind, why did we do it? Well, one of the, the reasons we did it was we needed to scale... Uh, up the capacity of these systems uh, far greater than any one of the systems could provide. Um, in doing so, we also said um, that you know, if we do this right, we can achieve um, best of breed uh, availability and reliability, right? Because if you really do achieve the goal of a, si- a single system image, what that means is parts of that system can fail. Um, and you never know it, right? Or at least the users uh, never know it. Uh, we knew it. <laughs> we knew it a lot.
0: Kind of, kind of like a duck. It doesn't look like they're paddling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. You no,
2: And and you know when when I did, you mentioned uh, you know the roots of WebSphere, right? Uh, which we can come back to and talk a little uh, a bit about. That was my first kind of my first introduction within IBM. To non-mainframe people, people that worked on other platforms, or you know, uh, people that worked on Intel platforms, people that worked on Power, people that were in AIX, uh, people the AS400 guys. You know, I, I've developed lifelong friendships with with people that uh, that work on these other platforms. When when I told people that there were Japanese banks that were running on IMS transaction systems that hadn't had a user-detectable failure, right, for example, in in an ATM network, for a decade, people would say, you just didn't believe it, right? And but it's it's true, right? And it's not that individual pieces of the system didn't fail over ten years, of course, um, but the overall availability of the system and of the business function that it was supporting, right? Was never unavailable, um, and so people were just amazed at this. And part of that comes from this design approach. So Sysplex was was very specifically aimed at providing best of breed, 100% uh, availability, scalability, and uh, another very important part, which was um, what Swanson kind of coined as non-disruptive incremental growth. So if you wanted to change out a part of the system or you wanted to grow the system, add more capacity, add another uh, a node into the SysPlex, um, the idea was that you do that completely non-disruptively um, both for planned un- and unplanned outages. So for maintenance, for upgrades, for whatever, the design goal of SysPlex. And at times we've, we've fallen short on this, but but for the most part we have a system that yeah the goal certainly of that system is is uh is 100% available.
1: Uh, these, these concepts of uh, rapid elasticity and measured service and resource pooling. I mean that's that's something pretty novel. I mean, we've we've never really heard anything <laughs> like that in any other
0: uh you know. Yeah.
2: But well, that the, the, the most cool I, I think the coolest thing about Sysplex was you, you asked uh uh Frank and Jeff you you asked me um, the other thing that kind of motivates me, uh, you know, had motivated me as as an IBMer and a mainframer, you know, just knowing my personality, if if someone says you can't do that, it can't be done, mm-hmm. uh, and Sw- Swanson was notorious for this, Swanson, Jeff Nick, Jeff Amon, these guys, you know, all you had to do was say... That's not possible, right? And it won't work. And you got to do it some other way. And uh, and uh, I used to say that Mike Swanson was so brilliant, right? He could actually make a square peg fit in a round hole, <laughs> even if it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, he was he was just absolutely brilliant. And uh, so, at the time, clustering a set of systems, especially high volume. Um, transaction system, high-performance transaction system, where you're, you gotta, you got to you got to you know you got to deal with you know potentially thousands of transactions a second, right, uh, in these financial institutions, etc. And uh, the notion of clustering a set of separate computers around a single copy, a shared copy of of these databases, and Having each of those systems cache um, parts of that database uh, with a read-write integrity across a collection of systems. Um, was just unheard of. Everybody in the industry said this just cannot be done. What you have to do is you have to assign data partitions to each of the nodes in the configuration and then you have to know what data you're going after and you have to send a message over to that system and and ask him for it. But he's got all the locks and he's got all the controls for the data and he knows what the partition is. And of course when you do that in those kinds of systems, if you have to reorganize your database, you have to take all the nodes down. Right? Or if a node goes down, all of a sudden you don't have access to that part of the database. So Swanson said, well, that that's just not acceptable, right? Okay. So uh, we built this, this thing called a shared data, share, uh, data sharing architecture and at the middle of it was a thing called a coupling facility. And it was a specialized uh, piece of firmware uh, that did high performance locking uh, across and served a, a set of mul- multiple systems that were clustered together. And very importantly, it it had the ability to track um, cache coherency of database, transactional read-write database uh, segments that were cached in each of the local memories of those machines and had the ability to to issue cross-invalidates to invalidate local caches and local buffers in each of those database systems with high performance. Um, And again, the hardware guys here uh, you know, guys like uh, Audrey, Audrey Helfrich and, and uh, Ambrose Vertibello among many others, they said, well, you know, we need special links for that, right? You got to have, you know, special links because Swanson said, you got to go out to that coupling facility, get some data and come back at CPU synchronous speeds. We can't afford, you know, I.O. Uh, you know, in millisecond delays. This stuff has got to be microseconds, right? Um, it was just unheard of. it was absolutely unheard of and uh so you know that sysplex was born, and sysplex is at the heart of of many of our largest customers now as as the adopted architecture for doing scalable high volume transaction processing and reliable recoverable uh,
0: transaction processing would you say that's the the heart of what makes the platform different or is that just one of the really cool things?
2: Yeah, that's it's, – it's a critical thing um, and certainly one of the things. But I would say even more generally back to the, the underlying hardware platform, there's so much unique and there's so much value in the way – you know, the mainframe in, – in the mainframe architecture itself. You start with the fact that it is a highly scalable – symmetric multiprocessor design, SMP with a shared memory across all of the all of the microprocessors in the in the in the system. And then this is another point of debate that's been ongoing forever. Uh, and we've just, you know, the engineering in this system has allowed this system to scale, right, uh, with best of breed SMP ratios um of, of any system in, in the industry. Well, why is that important? Well, the reason that's important is because um, it provides an economy of scale and an efficiency. You know, the mainframe system is, is, is probably the only system in the industry that actually runs better when you put more work on it. Um, and that's, that's because that's – it was built to that design point. It was built to do a lot of work and to support a lot of users. So you see that in the hardware. You see that in the way hardware resources are shared. You see that in its memory model. You see that in its caching model. Um, You especially see that in its I.O. model. One of the underappreciated aspects of uh, the mainframe is its ability to sustain high rates of of sustained uh, I.O. in a transaction system. Uh, It's extraordinary. Most people think that you know, if you if you're familiar with other platforms' designs for how they do I/O, um, it's a shared responsibility between the processor that's executing applications' instructions and you know that same processor driving and uh, initiating and um, and being responsible for the the completion of I/O and moving data around, et cetera. That's not how it's done in in the mainframe platform. We have specific distinct um, microprocessors that are dedicated in I.O. channels that are responsible for the initiation, the management, the tracking, and the completion, uh, and the data movement uh, of, of uh, I.O. operations, which frees up the, the processors to do, you know, uh, other work, and which is one of the reasons we can, we can pump so many users and so many applications uh, through this system, so much workload uh, at a given point in time, what, people don't realize that there are hundreds of microprocessors in a mainframe just doing I/O, dedicated to just doing I/O uh, for the system, uh, and that's that's uh, that's clearly one of its one of its strengths. Um, there are other platforms that that would that would claim uh, to do um, high performance compute, you know, kind of scientific. Uh, applications uh, better or with more efficiency. Uh, I think that used to be a lot more true than it is today. Uh, again, to the credit of Charles and, and others, uh, we have extremely good, uh, you know, compute performance now as well as as I/O performance and data movement performance. But you know, the, the hardware is just um, another area. Is virtualization? You know, this is another thing that kind of Gets in my craw a little bit, you know. People point to VMware as uh, the guys who invented virtualization. Well, that's 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 absolutely an alternative fact. <laughs> um,
1: I was afraid you were going to say one thing and said <laughs> another. All right.
2: <laughs> um, the uh, you know with ZVM in particular, um, you know. Not only is is ZVM an operating system that acts as a great virtualizing hypervisor um, but, again, back, Jeff, to your point about the integration, when we built virtualization into the the system, um, we built it in such a way that we split the responsibility between hardware, firmware, and operating system in a way that it's extremely efficient. So we have these multiple levels of of virtualization management in the hardware itself. Um, You know, the the most effective way to scale up a virtual system is to get the hypervisor the hell out of the way. And and so we set up the machine with these virtual contexts, load them into the actual machine uh, as part of its native execution. And you know, the, the system runs virtualized natively. In fact, today's mainframe systems, you can't run them not virtualized, right? You have to run them with at least logical partitions. And and uh, most people in the Linux environment, we haven't talked about Linux, um, uh, run Linux uh, images as second-level guests on an already virtualized platform. And that's, that's another uh, value proposition in the mainframe that uh, is just extraordinary.
0: So if you were... Um if, if you were going to talk to somebody who's who's new to the platform, uh, and what would you suggest they do if they really wanted to to understand the platform or, or, or the system better
1: after they subscribe to this podcast? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, clearly.
0: Um, there are a couple schools of thought.
2: L- let me answer. Let me kind of answer that in a roundabout way, because I, as as this podcast is no doubt showing, I'm, I'm, you know. I'm not at all wordy. <laughs> uh, so let me let me come a, a, around. You know, I, I've wrestled with uh, some competing – some tensions in terms of how the mainframe is perceived in the industry. And one of the things that I think people, again, can't really appreciate is, or, or don't for some reason is – the mainframe is is not kind of one thing um historically right the mainframe has had a set of environments a set of operating system environments on it that kind of are well identified with mainframe computing and 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 zos right is is kind of at the, at the center of that although you know tpf uh vse uh cvm other traditional operating systems on the platform all served somewhat different roles and different purposes on the same hardware platform um, but a lot of those operating systems uh, and environments uh, became kind of known to be proprietary and they probably didn 't start that way because there wasn 't a lot of other things you know to compare with but you know with the advent of of and the growth of unix and and certainly Linux and open source and and uh and a whole bunch of standardization that's occurred um, kind of the idiosyncratic nature of those environments, some people view the mainframe as that right mm-hmm. and so if you were to um, suggest to somebody you know First of all, the question of how do I learn the mainframe is somewhat amb- ambiguous because well, what do you mean? What particular personality would you like to would you like to study? Right. So if you're going to study uh, a traditional transaction processing environment on a ZOS environment, then you've got other choices like well, okay, um, are you a KICS guy? Are you an IMS guy? Are you a DB2 guy? Are you a you know? Um, so each of those env- environments are, are a little different, require a little, you know, a, a specific set of skill set, et cetera. Um, on the other hand, right, so if you were to, for example, teach about the mainframe, right, um, the approaches you would use for those environments would be somewhat different than the approaches that you would use uh, to to make people appreciate the value of the mainframe in a Linux environment. Because in that environment, I would say, what is there to teach, right? Now that's a little bit of an exaggeration but the whole purpose of this is Linux is Linux is Linux Mm -hmm. and open software runs everywhere and it's a standardized environment and it's a Linux environment. It doesn't look or feel or act on its surface any different than any other Linux environment and that's the goal of Linux on the mainframe. So if you were to say I want to teach somebody about the mainframe in a Linux environment, what I would do is I would concentrate on not teaching the mainframe in particular but I would teach enterprise computing. I would, I would try to uh, direct people's attention to the need and how you would, how you would adopt and manage and execute. Uh, The management processes and the disciplines um, to support an enterprise compute environment that was secure, that was available, that didn't break, that couldn't be hacked into and that you could depend on, right, uh, with the crown jewels. Um, So what I'd like to see, right, in terms of how people talk about the mainframe is is talking less about the particular implementation of – you know, what that JCLDD card looks like, right, and talk more about how do I build systems that are going to meet the ever-increasing needs of, of critical em- enterprises, especially in the world now where, you know, we got Russians trying to hack our election systems. <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know s- security is a big deal, um, and it will always be a big deal from now on and uh, an even bigger deal, and so you need a platform that majors on on some of that stuff. so you know i I would kind of a roundabout way of of answering your question frank i would I would talk about those things right, and then back into the obvious conclusion <laughs> uh, that the mainframe is the platform that that uh, will satisfy those requirements uh, and those needs. Uh, not only technically, but also in the most cost-effective way. There's lots of arguments about the cost of the mainframe, et cetera. Uh, so we probably don't want to go into that <laughs> at the at the moment. But yeah,
0: we'll have to get Monty come n- in, You know, our right. our claim
2: our claim <laughs> Monty, has always been that if you look at the entire total cost of computing, this mainframe is a hell of a deal. Right. So, I would I would have those those kinds of conversations when we did WebSphere. Um, It depended on who I was talking to uh, uh, on how I talked to WebSphere uh, people, how I talked about that. I would walk into um, an audience that were application developers and I'd say WebSphere on Z, on the mainframe, is exactly like WebSphere on the distributed platforms. And then I'd go talk to the infrastructure guys and the system programmers and the guys responsible for keeping these systems up. And I'd say, WebSphere is completely different, (laughs) right, (laughs) than, than, you know, uh, what you find on other platforms. And both of those statements were true, right, because underneath it all, WebSphere on Z was taking advantage of SysPlex and data sharing and WLM and workload management and SMF accounting and – you know, and all of the recovery and sat on top of uh, geographically dispersed disaster recovery and all of the value uh, of the mainframe. Um, But to the guy who just wanted to write some Java, you know, Mm it's the same. So it depends. (laughs) It always depends.
0: (laughs) That's the typical IBM answer, right? It depends.
1: You're going to hate my answer, but it depends. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have some time left for uh, what we're going to call – Uh, No Dumb Questions.
0: No Dumb Questions.
1: So this is a two-part question here. It's it's open to both of you guys. Uh, What's the deal with Jez 3? (laughs) And my second question is, uh, was there ever a Jez 1? And I'll sit back and await your response.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I don't know if there was ever a Jez 1. Um, You're actually going back
0: you yeah, know, HASP, right? Yeah,
2: HASP. Um,
0: Jez 1 was
1: HASP. I, yeah. I remember seeing HASP parms. Is that
2: – Yeah, that that was uh, – you know, do you – Frank, do you even know what that stood for? We'd have to get Alan Little in here. Yeah. Somebody who's really <laughs> old like Alan Little. Yeah.
0: <laughs> two more references away from having Alan Little in <laughs> um,
2: You know, the debate uh, on uh, do we need two jazzes, uh has gone on almost my entire career. Yeah. Wow. Right? Um, and you know, it seems to, to, to be that you know they do have slightly different design points, right? In terms of the spooling, in terms of the way they they handle scheduling, et cetera. Uh, and it almost seemed, as far as I remember, that there were there was a definite preference or or uh, proclivity to have um, you know uh, Jazz two in one part of the world. And Jazz Three and a whole set of customers in another part of the Europe huh. world. Right? Europe was one way, and they, they, you know, North America was was another way. Um, so I, I don't I don't I don't know whether or not um, that will ever ever be resolved. Um, could Could
1: you mix them, or can you mix them um, on the SysPlex?
2: Yeah, I think I think you can. Huh. Um, I think. Um, you, you ha- we have to be a little more precise with, I think, the answer to that is certainly they can be hosted in the same CISPLEX. Whether or not you can take advantage of all of the okay. sharing of the spools, etc., um, across those two environments is something I, I don't have specifically the answer to. But. So like one of those, you could, but why would you want to? <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe, maybe. Because you either uh,
0: believe in less filling or great taste. You yeah, don't both. yeah.
2: Um, which is why I always said the Reese's peanut butter cup was not a good idea.
1: Uh, <laughs> You're a purist. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, you got chocolate on my peanut butter, <laughs> prepare to die. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um,
2: I, would, I would kind of respond to that question uh, with another question, which is why is there a concern over convergence? There are a lot of variants in these systems all over the place. Right? We have multiple transaction systems, we have multiple databases, we have multiple platforms, we have multiple CPU architectures, we have multiple io architectures, right um, you know we have lots of everything yeah. um, now sometimes that's confusing and it gets in the way and, and uh, you know, sometimes it creates infighting that is not all that productive, right, both internally uh, within a company like IBM and and certainly within the customer base. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's not so much um, a problem in terms of these things are just different products uh, than the fact that there's a lack of standardization or they don't behave the same way mm-hmm. right? or they don't behave in, in a way that's uh, sufficiently compatible. Right? So when change is introduced to the enterprise or we have a merger or an acquisition and you got these guys are just two guys and these guys are just three guys and you're going to have a big fight over it. I know historically, right, those development teams have done a lot to, to smooth over, right, the coexistence and compatibility uh, between those two environments. Uh, but there's lots of everything. Yeah. Right for lots of uh, of different reasons, yeah. for the um, reasons you pointed out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's,
1: it take makes sense in certain areas. Yeah, in others. Yeah, I'll, I'll scratch off my list uh, the question I was going to ask about when is DB three coming out? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we may actually have DB three. Right, we're just not calling it that with, with the advances in data analytics and and different approaches mm-hmm. for, um, I mean we have these open source databases right that aren't aren't inherently are not relational right and uh, again you know these things come into existence because um they do certain things well or they're specialized in certain ways or or whatever um you know and you could go down the list with those. MongoDB is is a great example uh, of this. So, you know, I think we have variants on the theme. We just, we, you know, we're just not calling it DB four or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So we've we've been talking to uh, Jeff Fry, IBM Fellow Emeritus. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for your time.
2: Yeah, it's it. been my pleasure, guys. Oh, you know, you know, I've been uh, I've been out of IBM for just a little while now, and. Uh, it's it's really a pleasure to talk to you guys and and reminisce and and uh, and have the discussion about about the, the mainframe platform, you know, without without sounding kind of uh, cliche about it again. I mean, it's once you're a mainframer, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're a mainframer. I I have the t-shirt
0: from I your ha- first cigarette to your last dying day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I
2: I have the t-shirt and. Uh, and so, you know, I look forward to the next generation of folks to continue to extend this platform and continue to introduce new features in, uh, so that it's well-positioned, continues to be well-positioned for new workloads, new, uh, new approaches, uh, new environments. If the business guys would just stay out of the way. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that! In All
2: right,
1: that's a <laughs> Well, certainly, thank you for stopping by. Oh, and, thank uh, you, guys. Thank you, thank thank you guys. listeners, for uh, tuning into another exciting episode of Terminal Talk. If you want to reach out to us, there's terminaltalk.net. We also have contact at terminaltalk.net for email and on Twitter at terminaltalk. So until next time, keep your punch set to ready. Is that how that <laughs> works? All right.
0: Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.